Hi everyone and welcome to episode 51 of the Two Sporting Muppets. Yes, we're back after a couple of weeks off at no fault of Grey's or mine, but that's okay. We're onwards and upwards and we are back after a couple of weeks, but uh, there's been a lot of sport that's been and gone that we'll fill in the next hour or so for us to have a chat about. And as I say that, I welcome my friend to the microphone. Grey, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Greg. Yeah, you're not wrong there, mate. Couple of week intense sport, and you know the ultimate sport, the both the NRL and AFL Grand Finals. But not just for footy head, rev head. Christmas come early with the, with the Bathurst One Thousand. Some great things happen. Formula One and a couple of World Cups as well. So as if there isn't enough going. Yeah, there's always something we were just talking about. The last time we caught up was right on the eve of the two Grand Finals, and and you know the amount that's happened in that last couple of weeks quite phenomenal how you know i thought we'd be here talking for 20 minutes about two football matches and there's all this other stuff around the globe going on which is fantastic so i'm sure we'll fill in the hour no worries at all so with no more waiting we're ready whenever you are mate to kick us off okay before i do that i don't think i asked how, how are you going greg i'm going well yeah a bit busy at work but work's good um bit of a car bingo yesterday filled in some time that i didn't have to fill in <laughs> you sent me a photo yeah I did. So, yeah, unfortunately, a small accident. No fault of my own, I will say, out loud. Um, but just the time we were just talking about off air, just the time and hassle to get shit organised and dealing with insurance companies and repairers and whatnot. But look, it all it's all going quite... It looks like it's going to go smoothly, just inconvenience for a few weeks. And as I said, at no fault of my own, which is even more frustrating. So that's been my last couple of days. But apart from that, busy at work and things are going well and looking forward to catching up on some support today. Great. Great to hear you're doing well, apart from the being... All right. As we mentioned, Greg, the NRL Grand Final, what a game! So I'll just go through the detail, and then we'll have it, and we'll have a chat about how how it panned out. So it was can't believe it's almost a couple of weeks to happen. So first of October two thousand and three at Acor Stadium, Homebush near the game was Penrith Panthers twenty six defeated the Brisbane Broncos four. The game was refereed by Adam G, and the crowd was 81,907. So I'll just go through the details. As I mentioned, 20, Penrith's 26 point. They scored four tries. Kenny in the 17th minute. Leota in the second. Crichton, seven. Cleary, Sealer in the 76th minute. They kicked five goals. Crichton kicked one. Cleary, four. And they defeated the Broncos by a mere two points. Broncos, 24. They scored four tries as well. Uh, Flegler in the 38th minute before halftime. Then as a man, a triple in a grand final. Wow. 44th, 52nd, and 54th minute. And they kicked four. Adam ran off at a boot. And Penrith victorious, the not surprised, Clive Churchill medal. So what we probably should do, Greg, is probably talk about each half first, because there were different halves and plenty happened in the second half first. But early on, I thought the Panthers in the first half, they dominated possession. Broncos were nervous, lots of handling errors. But Penrith couldn't, they only scored one try, which was from an absolute debacle, uh, short kickoff from the Broncos. Herbie Farmworth batted it back. No one, or he did actually bat it back to someone, Miss Kenny, the opposition. And so, but Broncos' defense just held, held pretty firm. Completely agree with you. I thought Penrith, watching the game, purely watching the game, looked dominant. They looked like the better team. As you said, Broncos, particularly in the first 20, 25 minutes, looked nervous. A lot of handling errors, as you said. But Penrith couldn't score. Apart from that one try, they couldn't get over the line. Although they looked like they were far, far more dominant side. So the, the score didn't seem to indicate the clo- like how much better they were playing to me when they went in at halftime. And did you think, I know I said in the last 10 minutes, I thought, geez, if Brisbane could snaffle a try and they went in 8-6, which they ended up going as, geez, it would almost feel like they, were, like they won the half. Although just due to Penrith's dominant inability to you know, actually get more tries on the board. It, and that try was scored very late by 
Wiggler. Now, and look, not dubious, but it could have been argued either way. Did he get the ball down and that? We must say from the get-go, Adam G had a fantastic game, the referee. He got the ultimate accolade for the referee at the end of the presentation when they said referee, when they get their medals. They said referee Adam G. They were silent. Not always, normally, it's boot. So silence. That is the ultimate accolade for I completely. I think he was outstanding. And he probably a couple of weeks out wasn't the first choice for the grand final, but totally deserved the selection. And I think he stood up and showed he's probably probably walked out of there the best ref in New South, best ref in the league at the moment. Because he was he handled it outstandingly well. He held the whistle for most of the game. He made calls that were appropriate. Uh, he just managed the game really, really, really well for a grand final. I thought he was out. I agree with you. I don't like talking about the referee because a, a good game is where you don't know the referee's there, but he was outstanding. I agree with you. For sure. And deserves all the praise getting after. And so I mentioned Fleegler just got over the line, which let it, and there was a penalty goal from Penrith, which proved decisive in the end. So they got to 6 0 and they took the penalty 8 0. And then with Fleegler's try, they went in 8 6 run. Now the commentators on Channel 9, I noticed, were saying, yeah, Penrith, I think, are just going to keep going and grind away and, and get this done re- reasonably comfortable. Not quite the case, was it? Not at all. No, and I think probably apart from what Channel 9 commented, I felt the same. I felt, yeah, Brisbane have kind of used all that energy up to hang in there. And then after the break, Penrith would just get on a bit of a roll and just show the, the difference that they had. But it was not what the not the scenario at all. Far from it, actually. Almost, almost the opposite. So the first, I think, five, almost 10 minutes of the second half, much the same. Yeah, Brisbane held out. Penrith looked perhaps threatening. But then all of a sudden, Urzan man just clicked the button and out went out wide and he scored three tries in very short session. Uh, the first one, he ran, a, I forget who the center was. Was, was it Ta- Togo? Togo, whatever his name is. He, a bad attacking miss, scored a, a great solo try. And then the next one, he set up. Oh, sorry, he, he backed up to get a try. And yeah, I know it was, I forget the actual order, but it was two, two tries where he basically gated and one. And, and down that fair left, so um, Penrith's right side defence, Brisbane, uh, Penrith shot, didn't they? Terrible. Absolutely. Over that 10-minute period, Brisbane down that, or their left-hand side, Brisbane's left-hand side, just cut in shreds over and over again, hence the three tries. And they looked, the, the complete cards had switched. Brisbane looked totally dominant. They looked confident. They were playing well. They were strong runs. If they weren't breaking the line, they were, you know, really strong forward runs, making meters. They were, it was everything would look like it was falling their way. Everything. The whole game was swayed in their direction. And after that third try, I, I, I no, I was very confident Brisbane were going to get it at that point. They were just so dominant. I, I think most people were. Look, I wouldn't say Penrith's head went down, but they they looked in big trouble. They, you know, they they sort of okay, Cleary and that still. We knew they were going to come back. What happened? But. Yeah, they were really up against it. Turning point, if you believe in turning point, you might remember, Greg, 24-8, and then they and they tore them apart again and got up the other end, and they were on um, Penrith's line. And remember, and a few passes, and they looked like opening them up, and then a pass went to ground. There was at least, I reckon, five Broncos bloke, but, and, Crichton, and Crichton just wanted it more. And he dived on the ball, and it all, it all changed after that. Um, whether you say it's a turning point, no, because Brisbane's still, you, know, you don't have to let a team come back. So, but yeah, but it certainly changed momentum. Changed- it, it, it really did. And look, I, I I agree with you. I think Penrith looked like they're in trouble. And I, I think some of the players' heads did drop. Not all of them. And there was a couple of key players, and I know we'll get on to Cleary in a minute, that clearly had belief they were still going to win because, you know, he nearly put the team on his back in and a different 10-minute period, and I know you'll get to that in a minute. So, But I think a lot of the Dependence players' heads did drop a bit, and maybe it was that Crichton energy just 
pep them up again. I'm not sure, but I know what you mean. You know, one turning point doesn't mean you let in three more tries, which is exactly what happened. So something, you know, got away on them. But yeah, I agree with you. When Crichton dived on that ball and um, Brisbane, you know, four or five players didn't have the energy, didn't have the whatever it was, motivation to jump. And he picked it up. The the momentum certainly turned back towards Penrith for the next 10 to 15 minutes in a big way. Definitely. Yeah. But at that stage, so Brisbane were 24-8 up, a 16-point point lead. And and the only thing that not worried me, but I thought this might make it, is Brisbane scored those tries. So there was still 25 to go when they were up. But Penrith didn't do a lot, uh, at least for the next six, seven minutes. It all started about six-second minute where Cleary put his hand up. And we have to mention, too, um, Jerome Luai was off the field shortly after halftime. Shoulder, you know, didn't, didn't stand up to it. Survived last week, but not in the grand final. So he was off and Cogger was off. Young Jack Cogger was on as well. But Cleary, as quality halfback and your playmaker and your captain, he stood up and said, oh, we're going to give this every... So 60-second minute. So he made... He made a line break, set up Moses Liotta for a try. That's when everyone thought, oh, hang on. And that got it up. And that got it to 2014. Then this is, and this club was about five, a few minutes later. I think it was only on the tackle. Could have even been the set from the kickoff where he kicked on a third tackle and got a 40. 20. That, would, that was the bit. Yeah, Toby, that was a genuine turning point. When he kicked that, Penrith just became dominant. Ah, oh, here we go, the Penrith juggernaut. Now, I didn't score off, I'm not sure it's that step. It was very soon after that where they scored Crichton's try, which was a good try. You know, numbers out to the left and Crichton used his pace drink. Remember, you know, a couple of Broncos sort of fell off the tackle a bit. Crichton wanted it more. He was in, which got it up to 20. And of course, Cleary just, that was out wide, that conversion. Cleary, the ice man, he's not called out for no reason, slotted the goal, which got it up to 24 20. And so about from the, about seventh minute, and then Penrith were just on a roll, as we mentioned. They forced consecutive dropout. They a couple of little things went against Brisbane. Remember when fullback I've forgotten his name, Reese Walsh in the game, Walsh Walsh Reese Walsh. Remember they put a I think it was a kick, and he got the ball, caught it, and then he was tackled. Just he was a couple of millimeters out of on the dead ball line, but the tackler fell off, fell off, and then the other player came and dragged goal and the referee and right said no the first tackler fell off so it's live and then you've been tackled so you know normally if you hadn't fell off they would have got the board who knows but that forced a dropout there was another one where Crichton's nothing doing just put pretty ordinary look kick little grubber but it popped up in the end goal Penrith forget who it was who caught it buried the Broncos player who caught it so yeah they just sort of had had them hemmed in there and then eventually come off the hour it wasn't it was quite late 77th minute but Sort of felt it, Penrith were going to win. Yeah, at that point, after the second Penrith try, um, even though Broncos were still leading, I did. Uh, my my opinion changed, and I I did expect um, Penrith to win at that point. Broncos just, I think you texted me. Yeah, they shot themselves. They had every opportunity. They put themselves in a position to win. They had every opportunity to win that grand final, and they just capitulated on the back of some really great, on the back of some uh, tremendous leadership by Nathan Cleary, play and led his team around. For sure. Like, just amazing. So what, just going back back a little bit, about the time of when the Broncos skipped to that lead, I got a few text messages from mates saying, right, so are they engraving Earthman name on the Clive Churchill? And I think they certainly, I think by the time Cleary got it, there was there would have been little smudges underneath his name <laughs> where they had engraved Ann's name and had. Look, I think the the first one might have gone to the recy- metal recyclers, and the second one might have been called out and engraved. But that's just the difference ten minutes made. Because as you said, if that if that didn't happen, Ezra Man would have would have nailed that Clive Churchill medal and quite deservedly. Oh, absolute game changing! So seventy seventh minute, then they had the. 
they're on Brisbane's line. It wasn't the last fifth, so the fourth tackle just been completed. So Cleary just ran out of got the ball and a few dummies stepped, beat about four or five players and scores a try himself right that was the game. Obviously, he still had to kick it, but it was right in front. He was never going to miss that. So, um, basically, a bit less than two minutes ago. So, Penrith are up 24. So, the Broncos had to try a short kickoff. Now, I remember something happened that went that went pear-shaped. Or did they kick long? I've forgotten. But I think they might have tried. Penrith had it. Brisbane had it one more and went wide. And Walsh pushed the game. Game was over. So, 26-24, what we had at the end. So it was the greatest comeback in grand final and the greatest comeback, obviously, since the storm. Sorry, Greg, St. George, Illawarra. I knew you were going to bring it up. I knew there would have to be a comparison. 24 down to win 20. And it was also revealed, remember, Cleary didn't take the first. Yes. Crichton did. And Cleary actually suffered some sort of minor knee injury. So, you know, playing injured as well. So, predictably, he was the Clive Churchill medal. So, it means three consecutive premiership, Penrith, and which looked, you know, with 20 minutes to go, looked extremely unlikely. But, you know, trust, belief, and Cleary doing what a superstar does. Yeah. I Look, I have no love to either Brisbane nor Penrith, to be, to be honest. But I have to say it was one of the best grand final games of football I've seen for many, many, many. It was just a really good game of football. Oh, exceptional game of football. Uh, and that's that's without any any passion towards Some people e- are either team. Out. You know, I have no real passion towards either team, just taken purely on the skill of the two teams that played, the quality of the football, the enjoyment I got out of watching the game. It was an outstanding game of football. I really enjoyed it. Oh, fantastic. Look, some people have been, okay, where does it sit? I think it's one, of, if not the close, it's in the top two or three most exciting grand finals. I don't think you'd say it's probably the best in terms of the first half, the quality. It was very fast and good quality, but it wasn't except. But that second half, it was all time. It was um, so absolutely one of the best, like you said, up there with the best grand finals played. Biggest ever comeback. Come off the man. So clearly, I think that now, put well, obviously, he's already a superstar. But it puts him almost in that top echelon. Andrew Johns, Peter Sterling, Wally Lewis type players. You know, but we're all perfect. All he's got to do now am I, is produce an effort like that. That's so funny because you and I had not spoken about this and I was about to rave before we moved on to AFL. I was going to ask that very, very question. Why? And I don't want to criticise him because he was phenomenal and it's going to sound like I'm critical of him. But why do we not see that level of leadership and play at state of origin level? Because if he played like that at state of origin level, New South Wales would be a different team. Well, I think we will, most likely. I just, you know, he's still only young, 25, but he's got to do it. In the next few years, if he can do that and lead New South Wales to a series and put in a performance of that standard somewhere, well, then he is on a par with the end. Said, you know, the, the absolutely outstanding halfback. So, now, well done to him. Look, and he knows. He knows he hasn't quite nailed it, but by God, well on. Yeah, he's right on the cusp, isn't he? He showed in that match he's got it. It's just been consistently at that level like John's did and Sterling before him. And, you know, you can talk about the Queens, Thurston, and, and um, you know, some of those Queenslanders that did it yep, for years Thurston, as well. Um, he's, he's right there on the cusp now of, 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 you know, I hate using this word, but of greatness in the in the rugby league world. He, he's just about to cross that line. If you A couple more performances like that when they count, and he'll be, you know, put, his name will be in, in the list with some of those others that we've just mentioned. Definitely. Now, you mentioned Brisbane. Yes, I agree. Definitely, look, definitely shout himself. 24-8. Look, I know it's a game and all that, but 24-8. Look, and Adam Reynolds didn't do anything wrong, but they just couldn't quite nail it from there. You know, whether they had to just get over the line once more or change momentum. Look, it's very, it's so easy in respect. But, you know, after maybe the second try, they have tried a short kickoff then. 
to tr- – because it was obvious to me they needed the ball back some state quickly, try and break – it's all in. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Hindsight's a powerful tool. And, you know, we all do different things differently with the power of hindsight. So it's hard to reflect like that. But, yeah, look, was it was it energy levels? Was it the occasion? Was it experience? Whatever, a combination of all the above that got to them when it counted. And, and Penrith just had those runs on the board over the last couple of years and knew what it took to win a grand final. We, we say this and it doesn't help Brisbane fans. They'll be better for that. Those players will be better for that experience. You know, the Reese Walshers of this world who are brilliant players but now have had that experience as well. I was about to say the same thing. They are going nowhere. They are going challenged. I think at least for the next five years, they're going to be challenged. They, they look like they've got – I mean, they've had a few lean years, Brisbane, and I agree with you. They look like they've got their club back in order. Um, their, their roster looks good and strong going forward, and I think they're going to be there or thereabouts in the next few years. I agree with you totally. For Broncos fans, there's, there's certainly days ahead. But in conclusion, Greg, I thought it was a very good overall. Great grand final, but a good season. It's a good season. Certainly enjoyed it. Always. It's a game that keeps on giving. Some controversies here and there. Origin, back to standard. Queen, you say, well, stuffing up. Queen. Overall, yeah. It was great. You know, we mentioned earlier episodes. The Dolphins came in. I just thought it was a really, really good season. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree with you. I think the expansion worked well. Dolphins showed that there's enough players for expansion. I think it was really good, and we met, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, teams like Newcastle turning around, the Warriors turning it around, had really good season. That was really good for the uh, the competition overall to see those teams, you know, performing at such a high level. So, yeah, I agree with you, you know, leaving our two clubs off the bottom of the ladder there, but the, the rest, it was a good season. It was a really good game of football, and overall I thought the season was pretty close. It wasn't a huge, huge gap. Even even the Dragons and Tigers lost a lot, but they weren't thrashed a lot of the time. They still competitive in a lot of those games. I think that's right. So great season. Well done to the NRL. And that's the minor stuff, the important, Greg. So what do you think of the uh, NRL pre-game team? The Tina Turner? Um, look, I always find it hard. They've done it before where they'd roll out musical theatre for grand finals. And I always find that a bit of a, a I don't know, a juxtaposition for musical theatre and rugby league. But the history of Tina Turner in rugby league in, in New South Wales, her recent passing, the musical being on in Sydney and doing quite well, I thought for once it actually worked. I thought it was a good a good fit just with the, the whole history of Tina Turner promoting the game for those years and having such a good impact on the NRL as it was at the time. Oh, sorry, the um, New South Wales Rugby League it was at the time. It had such an impact with those ads she made. Um, and I think, you know, in memory of her recent passing and that impact, I think that was it was, it was appropriate. I think it worked. I concur. Absolutely. No, I thought it worked well. Look, I, I like, I've seen that, enjoyed it, which helped. But with, with the timing, yeah, it's a tribute to Tina Turner. And I thought it, I thought it worked well. And let's face it, the NRL, because they don't have a great track record, but I think if this is one where they can say we're not. Yeah, I do. I, I agree. I think they got it right. They're just The whole stars aligned for them, and I think they got it right this year. It was good. I agree. Now, going back in time, about 24 hours beforehand, now, our listeners, regular listeners, are going to be banging on about this, but how often the NRL and AFL Grand Finals mirror each other in certain ways. And the AFL Grand Final was also an X game. In fact, some pundits have called it the best Grand Final time. Such was the quality. So the AFL Grand Final held the day before the league, so 30th of September, at the Melbourne Crick. The crowd, 100,024 people. Now, normally you wouldn't mention the temperature, but it was significant, 29 degrees, which I think it's the hottest grand final. So it certainly played a part. So the result, Collingwood, 12 goals, 18 points, ninth defeated Brisbane Lions, 13 goals, 8, 8, 6. For Collingwood, Bobby Hill kicked four, Crisp two, Goey two, one each to Nick Dacos, Miss, Miss Keck, Kendalbury and Sidebottom. The Lions actually kicked one more goal. 
but nowhere near as many behind. Uh, Cameron kicked three, Charlie Cameron, Joe Danaher three, Bailey two, McCarthy two, McClellan two, and a single goal to Rob. So great. how this turned out, it was reasonably close throughout. Collingwood looked a better team throughout the day, but Brisbane just would not go away. They Collingwood got out to a start, but they kicked fairly errantly as well. Then the Brisbane would come back. Collingwood led at every order at every chain, but Brisbane the lead changed throughout. So I'm not sure how I don't have a figure in front of me how many times the lead changed, but it was it was quite a few. Just when Collingwood seemed to be getting on top, Brisbane would came back and kick three or four in a row, and particularly late in the, in the third quarter they were leading. Then Collingwood come back. It was game of two halves, very attacking the first half, lots of goals being scored. And then second half, particularly by the time the fourth quarter started, I think both teams had were pretty juiced. I actually predicted maybe Brisbane, been used to that sort of weather, might have ran over the top of the Colling of the Magpies. But no, Collingwood to their credit, you know, held held on. And yeah, look, with five minutes to go, probably a, some turning point. Uh, on the wing, steel side bottom, had the ball, was tackled. I forget who the Brisbane player was. For some stupid reason, oh, he took the mark. Sidebottom took the mark, and the Brisbane bloke decided to tackle him. A uh, 50 meter penalty, and he, there was that one. Then the goalie scored. A, so they scored three goals. So Brisbane looked out of it, but then, okay, a couple of quick goals. Cameron, Charlie Cameron scored a good goal. Denaher got one. And then, I know you probably heard of it, about this. The con- controversial call was there was only a minute to go. The ball sort of on the hu- Brisbane's half forward line. And Lockie Neal, the Brownlow medalist, paid an advantage free kick. They didn't know it had been paid. You know, really should have gone, but he should have been allowed to go back you know, and have a kick. But the umpire said no advantage, play on. The Brisbane bloke who had the ball at the time scuffed the kick, dribble, dribble of 10 metres, calling and that game over. Now, of course, as often happens, people get a little bit excited and say, oh, it cost them the game. And it was a poor umpiring, every commentator. There's no way the players would have known that the free kick had been had been awarded. So it wasn't. But of course, to say cost them the game when no, it cost them an opportunity to win the game. Yeah, but you can't say straight out cost. But overall, look, Collingwood they ball dominant around the ground. The ruck contest did lead at each break. Um, yeah, but to their credit, Brisbane they delight and it kept the crowd on their seat the whole the whole full close and yeah. Just a really exciting grand final. Now, obviously, Melbourne, Collingwood, the, the most supported team in Melbourne. They're their 16th premiership. They've been in over 50 grand finals. So it shows you that their record in grand finals is not great. They've lost a hell of them. But this wasn't one of them. So it's their, they won it against St. Kilda in the replay back in 2010. And before that, their premiership was, I think, 99. So been a quite so. Winners are grinners, and whether you like Collingwood or not, they got the job done. They were the best team all year, so credit to them. And look, Brisbane Lions really, really made it great. Close, but not quite. Um, Norm Smith medal was Bobby Hill, former um, GWS player, till just this season. He It's his highest haul, four goals. He did it in the grand, which is a, a pretty impressive effort. Yeah, so I can't really speak much more about it, Greg. I think I'm out of words, but yeah, just exciting, quality for war of action. It was everyone who, every player should hold, really put on. Yeah, look, unfortunately, and we talked off air, I didn't, because it's played still in the afternoon, and we might have a chat about that notion before we move on, because the AFL's played in the afternoon, I was actually working and didn't get to see any of the game at all, so I only saw the result when I got home that night and missed the whole game, so I do appreciate your your recap, because I had nothing to offer there, unfortunately, um, as I said, due to the, the timing of the AFL sticking to their afternoon and not the evening time slot. So, yeah, look, by all accounts from what I read, you know, very, very close game. Brisbane, certainly a game, a bit like the Broncos, hold their heads high, but 
come out on the losing end, which is a bit dis- the city would have been quite flat, I think, having both teams in both you know competition grand finals and, and walking away with nothing, which is a bit disappointing. But by the same token, very impressive for the city to have you know grand finals in both competitions. So you, you can't knock them and competitive and both were close games you know one afl by four points and nrl by two points you're pretty close games very competitive grand finals on both occasions which is just brilliant brilliant for sports lovers great grand finals in both codes and obviously melbourne you know great celebration with collingwood being such a such a popular team lots of people who don't like collingwood obviously upset but hey every dog has its day and they certainly won so the real important stuff, Greg, I know, did you see any, I know you didn't see it live, but uh, Kiss's pre-game entertainment? No, I didn't. See, only the little snapshot of the little kids dressed up as Kiss. I saw I, I saw a snip of that. No, I, I missed it, unfortunately. Good. Apart from being in daylight, they said it was quite good from what I read. It was good. Look, at yeah, they, they really put on a good show, which leads to our little conversation we're about to have. The day grand final, uh, AFL traditionally, the pre-entertainment, like how good would, would have that you know, at night time? I think, you know, how often have the AFL nailed the entertainment compared to the NRL? And I think they get it right more. They've got it wrong a couple of times, but I think they, over the period, have got it right more than wrong. And certainly getting a band like Kiss, they get it right. Then to perform in the daylight, in the afternoon, it just doesn't quite work, which is really sad because from what I read and, and what people said, the show they put on for a mini concert that it is was quite good. You know, they did a really good job of it. No, they did, and the crowd were loving it. Yeah, and that, you know, with their firework, all those sort of just would have, it's made made uh, nighttime, and it would have. But as we have discussed before, the AFL there, although they have had two night grand finals in the COVID era, but they are very. Well, I, I heard that it's I don't know why locked in for the next six years of an afternoon. Like there's something I I did read after that because it came up in the press because of the heat would have been better at night would have cooled off another few degrees in the night. But McLaughlin, I know he's leaving, but he sort of said, no, it's locked in for the afternoon for another five or six years. So I don't know. Obviously, you know, as you said, AFL are traditionalists. They, they like what's always been and that for it's an afternoon grand final. It is what it is. Ain't going to change. And similarly, those who, and I get it, NRL fans who like the old day, 3 p.m. kickoff, but it's the night's going nowhere. No, and, no. And look, I, I don't, there's pros and cons. I, you know, you can think about too that nostalgia of growing up and watching those 3 p.m. kickoff games. There's something said for that, but it's a different era now and you've got to accept that and move forward. And you're right, NRL have made that decision and made a success of it. And it's not going anywhere. They're not going backwards either. They're, going, they're not going back to a three o'clock. It's staying in the night. Just the, the, way, the way it will be. But two absolutely wonderful grand finals. Great culmination of, of both the most popular football code, Australia. Really, really good year for both codes and, yeah, great great way to finish. Yeah, look, as I said, unfortunately missed the AFL, you know, caught a bit of the highlights and read about it. But by all accounts, as you just outlined, a phenomenal close game and either team could have won. And very much the next day for the NRL, could have, the exact same could have been said. Brisbane certainly had their chances and Penrith ran over the top of them and, you know, finished the better team and got the biscuits on the day. But yeah, as you just quite rightly said, two you know, both combinations to both um, competitions were outstanding and a, a fitting way to end both competitions for this year. Look, and a great way to start the NRL now is the talk will be, you know, this is a fantastic effort from Penrith. It's the first three-peat since Parramatta in the early 80s. Can they do the? Can they go to a four? You know, you know it would be a great way to start the year, won't it, or all, all the discussion? It, it, it will be the conversation at the beginning. Look, already we know they're losing a couple of their players already, and we said all along that's going to happen when you're so successful. Um, but whether they've got the, the core coming through, and who's that... Um, 
Is it Cogger who replaced Luai? Like, you've got players like him. Is it Cogger? 5'8"? Yeah, Jack Cogger. You know, yeah. Phenomenal young kids that aren't even getting on every week, but he held his own at every level and would be perfect on most first-grade teams. He's a brilliant player. So the depth is there, and I think players like that just show what they've got. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Look, and just before we move on, just on Collingwood, so 16th Premiership, and that's quite interesting now, how they're in a tie for the most AFL Premiership. AFL straight VFL premiership, Essendon and Carlton. All okay, so one of them's going to go ahead at some point? Some point. Watch this space. All right, Greg. Well, just, just before Greg we move on, time. sorry, just before we move on, last rugby league thing, and I, you might have an answer because I haven't caught up with it today, but obviously since we had our last pod, Brad Fittler has stepped down as New South Wales coach in the state of origin. So I guess we question without notice because you didn't know I was going to bring this up. Who, where where do you think it might go over the next couple of weeks? Because I know it's been in the media again because they're still printing rugby league info. Um, what what's your feeling? Or what have you read? Where do you think that might? Where do you think New South Wales rugby league might go? And they've made it a part time job, like a six month job, not full time anymore. So that was one of the influences, I think, of him stepping down. I, I think it's a two part answer. Where will they go, and where should? Yeah, fair enough. I think where they will go. I think they'll pro- they will be maybe silly enough to go back to Laurie Daly. Look, I've said this a couple of times. I think long term. If they think, just get through next season and then give it to Bellamy when Bellamy steps. That, in my opinion, is what. They, but whether they are or not. But that said, look, if they okay, they decided that they didn't want Freddie, and that's fair enough. Like as far as I'm concerned, he he had to go after wait. But why? And they're sticking to the non-NRL coach, which I also applaud them for. I think that's the way it should be. But a few younger coaches' name brought up, or even John Cartwright. Jason Ryle. Someone like that, I think, would be absolutely fine. Remember, it's a representative team. They coach. It's just game plan. It's it's, it's, just, it's people management because you're not – And people management. It's people right. management and a bit of a game plan. And you've got to have that right personality to manage um, – I don't want to – I'm going to use the road inappropriately, but you've got to manage superstars altogether. You know, when they put these teams together, you've got all these egos coming in and you've got to manage that to get the best out of them. So it's a bit of human people management, I think, a lot of that coaching role. So you've got to have that really good rapport without being friends. And I think Freddie sometimes became too friendly with them, whatever, but didn't quite work, clearly. And I agree with you. It was time for him to go. You know, he's had his chance. He had a good chance, a bit up and down, but it was, it's time to try something different. I also agree with you that they shouldn't go to an NRL coach. I think it's got to be full-time or at least full-time for that that period over the selection and planning and then the, the, the month and a half that the games go on. But, yeah, I, I don't know where they're going to go. And you're right. I, I, someone like Laurie Daly's name keeps coming up, so that, there's no surprise, no surprise to me if he did get named coach again. Look, and, and Loz won't do a bad, but, you know, he, he's had his go. But I think long, that, that's short. So long term, and I've said it a million times, I think it should be Bellamy. Yes, he did coach them without much success, but that was back when he was doing the Storm as well. I think if he had... And unfortunately for Freddie, I think the part-time thing is very temporary. I think it'll be that. That's all I said to Freddie, get rid of him, and then it'll be all of a sudden, oh, it's probably. Yeah, I think it might be one year, and then it'll be back to full-time again. I think you're right. It was a bit of a, a, a bit of way to move Freddie on kindly. I think. Look, and his legacy can't be doubted as a player and a coach. Like, he got us, you know, I know Laurie, they broke that drought, but then he got us win. Mm. But as you said, it's, it just sort of went lost momentum certainly this they year it was him. all over the shop this year with his selections and yeah it just didn't work this year at all and i know they won the third game when it was dead rubber and all that but they never look good they never look good they never look good this year so now i just noticed that was coming up in the media and i'm sure they'll fill some headlines over the next coming weeks with that seeing there's no games to talk about well there's some international games coming up i take that back but yeah there's a bit of talk around what's going on with new south wales coach so i'm sure they'll announce that in the not too distant future Look, I just hope they use common sense and 
if they announce someone like Laurie Daly on a two-year, three-year deal, they, I don't think they will. I think it'll just be 12 months and then they've got any brains anyway. Well, watch this Please. space. All right, Revhead time. So did you catch any of the Baffers 1000? Not very much at all, unfortunately. Again, um, was not available. Um, glimpses of it, I guess, is the best way to say. No, I didn't really get to see it at all. All right. Look, I didn't catch a lot of it either, but look, this, it is for our motorsport enthusiasts. Absolutely love it. I know people that watch start way to go. The whole eight you know, hours a of couple, it. A couple yep. of toilet breaks in between and absolutely love it. Look, so not unexpected result. So Shane Van Gisburn and Richie Senaway. Now Shane Van Gisburn, of course, is heading permanently to the NASCARs next year. So it was a nice little farewell for him. Okay, but they, they first we had um, Brody Kosteski and David Russell second. So, sorry, Red Bull Ampole Racing, Gisberg and Senaway, Coca-Cola Racing. Third was Anton Pasquale and Tony Alberto and Shell V-Power team. Fourth was Shaz Mostert, Lee Holdsworth, and fifth, uh, David Gutt, rounding out the top five. Look, as always, uh, you know, a few bingles are controversial there, but it it is what it is. I think, you know, Van Gisbergen is a really good driver. You know, he's already won in the NASCARs, first attempt, I think it was. So, you know, he's got a great trip ahead of him over there. He made it clear that he'll be back at some state. You know, it certainly won't be a permanent thing. And yeah, it's it's certainly made championship interesting in terms of the, you know, the NASCAR standing. Because what it means now is that with Van Bergen's win, it's put him within 120-odd points from Brody Kostecki, who's leading 2,447. And now Van Gisbergen is right on his tail. 2,300. How many races to go? Will, that is a very good question. I know there's not a huge result. My quick answer, Greg, is I'm not sure. Okay. No, it's exactly. really it's really interesting. And as you said, it, it's certainly the pinnacle of the Australian race motor car racing calendar. And I really thought a couple of years ago when we lost the old Commodore Falcon rivalry with, you know, Holden pulling out of Australia or General Motors pulling the Holden brand out of Australia, not having Commodores and the Falcon, which was an Australian Ford vehicle, not being made anymore, that the whole interest would fall out of supercars. But it hasn't been the case at all. I uh, know. It's it's still very popular. Yeah. And I, I just thought, you know, without having that local relationship between, okay, Falcon wins, I can go and buy a Falcon or whatever. And yeah, look, I know it was only the shell of the car and the, the inside of the car was not in relation to it at all. But I just thought that interest might have waned in Australia, but it hasn't at all. And I, you know, that's good for the sport. There's still that interest there. Oh, totally. You know, and you still get very, very loyal fans, and yep. they absolutely love it. Yeah. Look, I'm just trying to quickly, as we're as we're speaking, just trying to get up the next few races. Um, yeah. But just while I'm doing that, go to Formula One. So you would have been impressed, Oscar Basastri making a name for himself. Yeah, in the Qatar Grand Prix, which is a different format. They do a sprint series, and he actually got his first first place, finished first, which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. First year on the circuit, a car that has been underwhelming the last few years, but it's certainly come good the second half of this season. They've both had him and his teammate Norris have had some good results. So the team, the car's on the improve. And yeah, he, he got the win and Norris got third in the same race. So that's a couple of podiums now, but to have a first place finish in a Grand Prix is brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And it's, I noticed he's now ninth, now ninth in the Drivers' Championship. Is absolutely fantastic. Um, sorry to digress a bit, just quickly. Upcoming, we've got in the supercars, we've got the um, Gold Coast 500. Okay, and also so in November. So there's a couple of events. So there's a few events in the series. Yeah, but back to Oscar, they're absolutely outstanding. His result, you know, coming second. So he's gone. He's got a third. He's got a second. So he's hoping. He's hoping that he's going to, you know, in the not too future, 
get his first victory. Yeah, so no, he's as, doing, finishing off really strongly. Yeah, so he's ninth now in the Drivers' Championship, not surprisingly, and then Verstappen, who he won the Qatar. Um, yeah, I think so. So he's look, he's almost double. He's almost double the points of the second place. Yeah, I think he the sealed Bull- the. I think um, Verstappen sealed the championship this at at Qatar. I think by his result there, man, he was the champion again. They can't catch him. Uncatchable, yeah. So four thirty three, two twenty four per. So that's how much with Lewis Hamilton. So it is one ninety. Uh, Alonso and Carlos Sainz rounding out the top five, as we mentioned with Oscar Sastry in ninth. Yeah, which for his first season is a great job. Great, great achievement. Yeah, top half of the, the driver's list, so he's doing really well. Now, in terms of, right, is there any more Grand Prix left? There's a few left. I think there's a couple. I think there's at least Singapore coming up, the night race in Singapore, uh, and Las um, Vegas. Yes, um, US? Yeah, US. The, the, new Vegas, one in Lo- so- the new one where they've re you know, shut down Las Vegas and resurfaced all the roads just for a Grand Prix, which is really interesting, but... Yeah. Oh, that'll be good. No, apparently that's re- local. That's being run at midnight local time to tie in with European TV. It's very bizarre. Okay, so there'll be a night, so a night race. Yeah, and it's, it's like awesome. mi- in middle of the night US time, so it appeals to the European video audience, TV audience. Apparently, hey, hey, mate, TV rating—that's what it's all about. Well, that's where the dollars come from, isn't it? Let's be fair. Absolutely. So, but all that sport and Vegas—that's where it all happens. We've that's got the right. We're all going there next year yeah. and all that. So. Well done to them. Yeah, but look, well done to Verstappen, obviously, wrapping up at the championship, and Oscar Pizarro continues to rise through the rank. Wonderful. Um, Now, Greg, the Rugby World Cup. It was a it was a long death from a thousand cups, Australia, having to stay there for another week. Oh, longest week of Australian rugby life ever. And they did not make it. What, what needed to happen? They needed, I think it was Portugal to beat Fiji, and for Fiji not. But what happened was Portugal did win, but I believe Fiji. Something like that, yeah. And look, but look, let's call it spade a spade. The Wallabies did not. Absolutely not. No, quarter. it would have been a tra- they if were Wall- terrible. If Wallabies got through, it would have been a travesty because they did not deserve to go through. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And look, it's we won't mention it too much. We've spoken about it before. The Australia's campaign, right from when they decided to sack Rennie and put in Eddie Jones, it's just been one disaster. A debacle. Absolute debacle. So in their table, we were in full C. So Australia and so Fiji and Australia are on the same point, but because of the bonus point to the thing, points differential out. Yeah. So home, home, not no, no quarterfinals for Australia. So what that means now is the quarterfinals are, and they're all. That's a pity of World Cup. It takes so long, but once to the game, Wales and Argentina, Ireland versus the All Blacks, that'll be a cracker. England versus Fiji. And France v South Africa. There's some good games there now, isn't there? Oh, it should be. You know, Look, you Ireland, th- New Zealand, particularly. Yeah, and I think France, England could be. Is it France, England? You said at the end. I think that could be a cracker as well. France, South. Africa. Sorry, for South, for, sorry, take that back. France, South Africa. That could be a good game as well. And England, Fiji. I think Fiji will. Yeah, throw it. they could get up and you know, the way they throw the ball around. They actually do play the running game. Fiji, they're more old school, which is good. No, they do. They're a bit more entertaining yeah, they to won't watch. Die one. No. They, they will not die one. So, yeah, that all happened weekend. Now, Cricket World Cup. Oh, the Yawn just Fest. started the 50 50 World Cup. The Yawn Fest, and it is first. But Australia's first game, we were terrible. Played India. We were bowled out 40th over for 199. And India made the run chase four wickets down, 40 odd over. I think the less said, the better. We've both got our opinion. We're not fans of 50 cricket. You know, we believe it had its day. You know, 20 years ago, we loved it. The only test cricket since the advent of 2020. 2020 is basically 50-50 with the boring 
Yeah. Look, I think. Yeah, I just think they they killed it. They played too, and they're going to do it the same to twenty twenty. I worry they just played so much of it, and now it's boring. And as you said, it's a real formula to it because the thirty overs in between is just yeah. You know, they 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 tried the power plays to make it more interesting, but teams just choose out at the same time every innings, and it's just the boring thirty overs. If you watch the beginning of an innings and the last first five, last five, it's a little bit interesting. And that's all the interest you really have. Yeah. It's, it's as really you said, sad. a yawn fest. And I don't know where the place of the world 50 over World Cup is going to be going forwards. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't see it being I'll be surprised if it's around in 20. I think it's a bit at a bit of a crossroads now because the crowds have not been good in it. Even India are not getting good crowds and they love cricket beyond belief. And society's changed. It's such a time poor society these days. Who, yes, test cricket because it means something. But who's got time to spend, go to the cricket for a whole day for a meaningless match that no one but. Yeah, seven days a week later. So anyway, it is on, and Australia's next game, it's tomorrow night, actually, against South Africa. So, look, the time, being in India, the time zone is good for watching if you are into it. So, for instance, tomorrow's game, I believe, 7.30. So, look, I might have a look at the first 10 overs just because of the time it's on, but can't say I have much other interest. Now, Greg, I know, I think you had a couple of, quick things i've got one i was gonna bring it up um i know it is the final of the english super league this weekend and i also know that um is it le catalan french-based team have made the grand final okay they, i didn't know that's very they, cool yeah they defeated saint helen i think it won three or so in a row you know which great so that's happened this weekend preview in a minute so the league grand final and also um look the baseball uh, MLB finals or pl- postseason, as they call it, has commenced. So we'll give you an update on that next week. On that, and yeah, so that's the semis were Catalan's Dragons twelve six over Saint Helen and Wigan Warriors twenty six twelve over Holt Road. So it uh, Wigan Warriors versus Catalan's Dragons at Old Trafford Saturday six o'clock their time, so Sunday morning, and also I think it's Saturday morning our time. The uh, Australia. The Socceroos play their first ever game at Wembley Stadium, our and it's men's a, team. And it's a sellout. Great. I did read that, that, that it's actually a sellout at Wembley. They've you know, complete sellout, which is great. Hopefully we can repeat the game when we last played England in England at um, Upton Park 20 years ago when we beat them 3-1, I think, where, where Harry Kuehl put on a clinic. Yes, he's made his name so, in that game as a superstar. So No, uh, we, they'll be competitive, that's for sure. And... Quick shout out, Ange Postacoglu. Oh, isn't he be, now top of the Premier League? Isn't he just the superstar coach? You still think, don't you? When's the bubble going to burst? Yes, I hope not like because it's, it's just he's doing such a great job. Brilliant. Look, I won't burst in that. He's a quality coach. It just took, and it's a really, I don't know if you heard, it's been on a Howie Games Cup, but it was just so hard to knock the door down because he wasn't, he never coached in Europe. That was always the mock he had on. Oh, he has, he's not tried in Europe. So eventually, sell the chance on him. You know, he's showing the, the soccer world now what he, you know what he can do. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, sadly geography with Ange, where he came from, what part of the world he came from, and not his skills. That's right, but now they're, you know, seeing, seeing what skills he can bring. It's fantastic. All right, Greg. Well, I think I'm nearly done. Is there anything else? Uh, the only thing I'll mention is mention? I just mentioned the basketball has kicked off in Australia. And I'm just going to say the NBL made a really, the National Basketball League, which is the Australian League, made a really brave move. They started their competition because they play over summer. So the first round was the same weekend as the grand finals. Started on third, they had games on the Thursday night, the Friday night, the Saturday, and the Sunday over the grand final. That's the earliest they've ever started. And I thought, okay, that's interesting, a brave move. I thought they might have waited one week and just let the dust settle and kick off straight away. But they got their largest, and that, yes, go. 
And got Scotty Pippen was a guest on both NRL and AFL Grand Final coverage. Yes, and I was just about to say it. Whatever they paid for him to come down to Australia was worth every cent because he was on every time you flick the TV was on. But more importantly, they got him on to the broadcast of the AFL and the NRL Grand Final. Just that raises the profile with his NBL, not NBA, his NBL shirt on, so promoting the local league, which he was here to do. Um, and did, just the cards fell beautifully for them. They got the biggest TV audience they've ever had for opening weekend and the most crowds ever at, at opening weekend. So whatever there the – There you go. Even though I doubted as a, as a basketball lover, I doubted it, but it paid off in spades. So we're about to start week three of the NBL. So I thought we've already gone an hour, so I might do a bit of a – uh, a, a basketball spill next weekend. Uh, sorry, next week when we catch up because the NBA in America, their preseason games kicked off this week as well. So we've got both competitions. One, ours just started. There's about to start. So I might do a bit of a, you know, a, a late preview for Australia, early preview of the basketball in America next Wednesday. Yeah, we might have a bit of a, we might have a bit of a U.S. We'll get into the MLB as well and a bit of the NFL. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Well, guys, I'm sure our listeners, voices, and I will briefly mention as we're signing out, it is the Pacific of the Rugby League Pacific Champion uh, this weekend. Australia play, Australia play Samoa, okay, at uh, up in Townsville. The women also play, okay, that'll be good. And week two, Australia, oh, we don't play again to week three. Again, now we can debate another day the International Rugby League where it's at, but if that's the games, there'll be something for us to watch sure. again if you can. All right, mate. Well, I think that'll do us. It's been an hour, so I think that's probably tortured our listeners' ears enough over that hour. So I think yeah, we I might think have so. to call it quits. And as I said, we've got a few previews to get through next week for our summer sport. Do that. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Look, we really appreciate your listenership. Hope you enjoy it. And we look forward to chatting again in another week or so. Thanks, mate. Good to catch up. And as I said, we'll try and get back on the microphone next week. For all of you, enjoy whatever sport you're still following this weekend. And we will catch you up next week. But bye for now. See you later.